0: Hey friends, good morning. We are here with Ken Alfred and myself, Nancy McDonald, owner and founder of Art Studio for Children. And you are tuning into the SME Stories with Ken Alfred. Welcome.
1: You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having on the show. we got a great episode today with Nancy McDonald. Now, Nancy McDonald is the founder of the Art Studio for Children. So a little bit about Nancy. Nancy is a public speaker, a recently published co-author of the book Remarkable. Nancy works at embracing a life of surprises, pivots and shifting expectations to try to find new ways of managing change, challenge and life's curveballs in both business and in life. Nancy began teaching six children around her dining room table and has since had the great privilege of mass bringing up her love of fine art to over 7,000 artists, young and not so young. So we're going to be interesting to see here. I know our first episode ever was with... uh, Sherry Prescott all the way back in episode one where we talked about an art studio but now this is going to be a little bit of a different kind of take so I'm looking forward to hearing Nancy's stories and all her tips that she's going to help uh, for the aspiring art studio owners so sit back and absorb all right guys we have Nancy McDonald from the art studio for children Nancy how are you doing
0: oh I'm doing so well Ken thank you so much for having me on today
1: Absolutely glad to have you, and Happy New Year for those. This is our second episode. We're actually recording in January 2023. So, Nancy, how was your holidays?
0: Fabulous. We got a big dump of snow here, and, well, then it rained, but it was was wonderful. It's hard to take time off when you're self-employed, when you're an entrepreneur, but I tried my best.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and you know what? The funny thing, too, is that we got the white Christmas, because, I mean, I'm a little, I think I'm a little bit traditional that I like having the you know, the white Christmas. So I said in a perfect world, it would have maybe a big snowfall, maybe on the 23rd and then melt all of it by Boxing Day. And then we're good, right? So, you know, I, as long as I get to use my snowblower at least a couple times a year, which I did, that's good. Because yeah, like I, I agree. We had like snow on like Christmas Eve. And then I think Christmas Day ish has started to warm up. So it slowly started to melt. By Boxing Day it was almost 90% melted. And uh, so it seems like at least for this, december and january of this year in ontario we would get a big dump and then it would melt and then another big dump and then it would melt so we never get that consistent uh you know amount of snow
0: exactly so you got yeah, what you wanted but
1: <laughs> i got i wanted i got what i wanted the snowblower was used so that's always a good thing so all right so let's get back to this nancy so art studio for children what's your story
0: my story is I help people make the art of their dreams. And I would say I have about 97% beginners. People are coming to me all ages, um, all kind of interests uh, to have a creative experience. And I've been doing this for 20 years. I feel really grateful.
1: Wow. So, so what got you into, into the art space, right? Like you said, like you helped, A lot of beginners and paint the portrait or do the art of their dreams so what kind of got you into that something you always really liked
0: well it's a really interesting question um it was i had two young children and one of my children was particularly gifted in art and i was trying to find a spot for her to make art and learn uh, techniques and just feed that passion and she we we were struggling because the with logistics and how to take her and busy family and uh, she turned to me and said mom I think you could teach art here and it was really from the mouths of babes she handed me this career and she was a little over four years old and so we started at the dining room table six kids. um, And it's grown to over reaching over 7,000 children and adults of all ages.
1: Wow. And and when did this start? You said, like you said, your daughter was four at the time, how old is she now?
0: She's she's about to turn 26. So it was about 2002.
1: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's amazing, because sometimes yep. I get a lot of the you know, entrepreneurs that you started within the last year or the last few years. And this all the way back in 2002.
0: Yes. Oh my God, I was 22
1: yes. at the time. Oh, I've just aged myself. Never mind. I'm not going to mention how old I was at the time. <laughs> don't but, worry. Uh, don't worry. You're but a pup. So, pop. Where, a, so <laughs> where did you get your actual art training then? Because you said, you know, you, you wanted something for your daughter. There wasn't mm-hmm. anything around. And she obviously you must have had some type of talent that your daughter's like, why don't you teach it?
0: So, I have been creating art um, in all forms since I was a kid and taking courses and uh, skilling up. But it was really within the studio itself that my knowledge and skill grew. I had all the right stuff in terms of love of children, because it, primarily it was for children at the time. I uh, had a curious and open mind. Beginners and growth mindset really and i really became very self-taught
1: really okay so then you were self-taught you just enjoyed creating everything right so is that so the service that you're providing for like you said beginners and children adults of all kind so it's not just relegated to just let's say painting on a canvas like you're doing like you're running the whole different gamut so are you able to expand on the other t- the types of art that you would be working with with clients
0: So the art is typically in its tangible form, uh, acrylic, typically acrylic on canvas. However, there's a whole backstory to each project we do. For example, we will choose a theme, Tools for Living Your Best Life. And honestly, Ken, half the time, it is as an answer to something I'm seeking in myself. So Tools for Living Your Best Life came out of sort of post-pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, what are the things we learned while we were living in a restricted way, in a very different way? What are the things we relied on in ourselves? What are the things we tapped into? What helped us? What uh, solved our, our, you know, difficulty? Um, Obviously, the word pivot comes out loud and clear for all of us. But what were those things that really came to our rescue? I mean, we're talking about everything from sense of humor to natural curiosity, to community, to um, self-care, to being out in nature. So I took those tools, my list of tools, and I tapped into the people who come to me and I asked them, "What, what helped you? as a way to work through my own, you know, skill up really in this life. And then I created art projects that uh, underline those tools. So for example, we had a self-portrait. It was a a 2D self-portrait of um, a person reading. And there was an actual uh, book. You'd have to see it. I'd have to show it to you. I'll show it to you. I'll show it to you later. So if you if you check out my Instagram, there's lots of of, of these examples. But uh, so curiosity that was the that was the theme of that particular project. Staying curious, even when we're in a situation when there's a lot of things we can't do that we want to do. Well, what about books? What about reading? What about learning? What about online? Um, you know, mastering something, cooking, uh, learning about something in the sciences, in the fine arts. Uh, So it's really, yes, these are paintings. We do some sculpture and mixed media, but generally speaking, it's acrylic on canvas, but they have um, a a message. There's something more there. It's more than just about the art. There's There's a message to ourselves about digging deeper, going from good to great. Uh, Tapping into our curiosity, uh, our growth mindset, um, being a a good person, being a good neighbor, um, leaving things better than you found them. So all of these things, these are my messages to the world, to the next generation, to my generation, anybody who's with me working on art. How can we make the world a better place from our corner?
1: That's a very nice thing to say, because, you know, I think from some people thinking when they think of arts, too, they might think of, oh, it's one of those things where they're just going to show you how to paint, you know, a bowl of fruit. Right. Or I know there's some studios that says, you know what, here's the painting we're all going to do. And you're all just going to teach you how to do it. And, you know, there's not really a lot of meaning behind it. It's more like, okay, do you have the colors kind of follow this technique and then, you know, at the end, you pose for a picture with it or those paint nights where people come to your home or your office or something and there's a bunch of you and they're doing that. So but what you're doing is you're trying to find more of the meaning behind it. It's not just the, 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 uh, the art piece itself. There's actually more to it. And it's like all inspiring and, and whatnot. And it's funny because you mentioned it because I remember during the first part of the pandemic was, you know, I was because it's the year of 2020. I call it the year of the BBGG. That's the baking, biking, gardening and golf. <laughs> right. That's the way that's the year I saw it, because that's what like you said, you talked about learning a language, studying art or bake. Baking was one of the things I started doing. I started cooking a lot more, uh, you know, because I was stuck at home. You know, I'm, I, I I usually work in an office, but now I had my home office, which is what I have now. Uh, my wife, Mrs. K, works in the hospital and she has to be in the hospital every single day. So she really liked the fact that she would come home and there'd be hot food for her when she arrives a great smell in the house
0: something you know
1: yeah but what and I'll make this last point um, a lot of hiking too which is great so being out in nature but the funny thing I'll say this last thing before we continue is that you know what store I was very surprised at that got huge lineups going into it when you could kind of only limit the number of people coming in golf stores I was totally I've never been floored before because I just got back into golf in 2020 I hadn't played in like Twenty plus years and my buddy said hey Ken let's just go golfing because it's an outdoor sport they didn't ban it at the time although it was weird though because you you have to share a cart with your playing partner and they got this plastic see-through thing that (laughs) separates the two of you where you can just that just looks really weird but um yeah. But anyways, ba- back to you there, Nancy there. So, so how big of a, st- how many staff do you have working on your site? Cause I see you have like, you know, your, your Toronto location and then you have like a farm location, which I was very surprised to see as well. So can you elaborate on that?
0: Yeah. So i the business has changed, um, over the last 20 years. Uh, but it has been, um, mainly me. I have brought people in to help with large uh, projects, whether they're corporate team builds or off-sites in, in schools, so I did a three-day um, offsite last spring with the graduating class of a local uh, private school. and we created uh, large canvases for all 60 students. Uh, we worked really? through that particular project. We did one of my beloved projects called the Words to Live by Project which is all about the power of words and the message we put out there to ourselves um, and the way that that has great influence in uh, how our lives go and what we go after and how the universe responds. So really, Ken, honestly, I have kept the business really my baby. So... I work I work in, um, so post-pandemic, during the pandemic, I canceled everything. My camps, which are run uh, up north at the farm location. Um, I canceled all the sleepover camps. Um, and uh, we switched to, very quickly, uh, Zoom with art kits. And if you had told me that I could teach art over Zoom, I would never have believed it. I know you've had similar experiences in your life, if you told me that. But fortunately, we all chose to do our best, and my business really thrived, and I found during that time, and I found that um, it was a time of growth in that I could reach people who were very far away, uh, right across Canada, throughout North America, and in some cases, I worked with people um, overseas um, to be able to bring them what I love. Um, so it's, so, so it's interesting. Yes. When I, when I run the camps, I do have a small staff, uh, but it is, uh, very, um, it's, it's very much my, my project. I'm very hands-on.
1: Okay, so it's more like the seasonal or the contractors you'll hire you'll hire for to to assist you with the camps because you are only just one person and like you said, if there's a lot of people in the camp, they're gonna want your attention. And if otherwise, you wait, you deal with every single one of your students. Man, that camp can almost be like a week long camp or something like that because just to finish one art piece, right? Because I noticed too when I used to teach. Um, and I back to me here for a second, but when I used to teach kickboxing back in the day. I would have a mixture of students. I used to teach at Seneca College and a few different campuses. And I'll have, you know, a lot of beginner students, and then I'll have a lot of intermediate students. And you can tell that the intermediate students wanted my attention because they really wanted me to teach them more intermediate to advanced techniques. But beginners require so much more time because you know they've never done this before. And there's that whole, you know, trying to under teach them the techniques properly and how you kind of run things. So no, That's great, great to hear. So you're, it's just you right now. And you said you have some contractors that you look that you'd use for these camps then. So would you have any plans on growing this even more? Like, are you actually looking to get, you know, actual employees or are you want to keep a very nice lean model right now for the next few years?
0: I have some ideas, um, in the works in terms of teaching, um, Art, other, other art schools, some of these lesson plans that I have, some of these projects that I've developed that have that moral courage or, you know, hidden meaning, um, to, 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 uh, actually have a, uh, webinar where I would be able to share with them some of the things I'm super proud of. Nice. So that's, I think in terms of scalability, that is definitely an option Um, but it's, this, this model is working really well for me. I'm still experiencing great growth. Uh, last year was the best year I've ever had in business. So, um, and I, this, this year is really gearing up to be even stronger. So I think giving away some of, you know, continuing to hire people, um, to do the things that are not within my zone of genius, definitely need to focus on that more and more. And I'm growing that, the giving away of tasks. Um, You know, a lot of the administrative um, aspects are becoming more um, automated. So a lot of those uh, changes have been very positive so that I can be here with my students um, doing what I do best.
1: Yeah, no, I can totally relate to that. Uh, Nancy's like, things are getting really busy. Like even for me, it's a, you're just having a hard time trying to keep up with everything, right? So there's recording the podcast that I do, even though I have an editor that uh, does the editing for me, which is great. You know, I still have to, you know, and I even hired someone to do social media for me as well. But still, I find that there's still lots of administrative tasks that I have to do, right? Because now I got to you know, split the clips now. So it's not just one long episode that uh, promote the channel. You got to make sure I'm, I'm on YouTube now. So I'm on YouTube channel. So now starting to build that space as well and trying to grow up, grow different areas of the business as well to try to get it in. And, you know, plus I'm still doing my day job. So it's one of those things. Plus trying to be a, a, a good husband and father for my two two little ones there, even though they're getting older and they're starting to slowly get to my height you know, I have to tell them. To, I have to tell them to stop growing, right? just just so I can uh, remember them. Plus, our two cats, but that's another thing altogether. So, so you so you talked about your one person show right now and, and delegating a lot of tasks. So, what are the types of like expenses? So now we're, we're kind of go back and forth between. You know, we're going to hit our tips from the pro segment a little bit later on, but you know, what are the expenses that are surprising for a, let's say a new person that would like to start their own studio?
0: Well, as we've all experienced, uh, the um, materials costs have gone up in, in, I and mean, everything has gone up. I'm going to say just rough number, 30% uh, in oh, wow. in all segments of industry. And so all of my material costs have gone up. My uh, liability insurance has gone up. Uh, it's actually doubled. So that really? is as a result of... Um, uh, well, many factors, but anyway, those, those kinds of changes are quite disruptive. Um, so as a result, you need to raise your prices. Um, I would say uh, building out a studio, if you're going to have a studio or you're going to choose a bricks and mortar um, location, obviously, uh, leasing space or renovating um, existing space as I said to you, I started at the dining room table and slowly moved south to a basement uh, space, uh, pushed out, um, did a renovation. And three and a half years ago, uh, my partner and I moved to a new home and we have a new home studio here, which is absolutely beautiful and very uh, easy and delightful to work in. So I, I think those those are huge um, uh, upfront costs to expect and an ongoing
1: costs. Interesting. Yeah. So like you said, the materials gone up and I did not realize it hit everything. Cause I guess you think about certain things, right? Like I know sometimes when I negotiate deals with certain suppliers and some of them are more along the lines of, you know, if it's like materials, physical materials or something like that, let's say if I want to buy a couch or, or let's say some signs or anything like that. Okay. I can understand that. But then some of it, if it's more like software or something like that, I'm like, 30% increase. I don't know how, how, how can you explain that to me? Right. Just cause I'm just trying to understand the whole thing, but yeah, that's really interesting. Everything is going up. And I think we're going to be interest rates are going up, which is also not fun for a lot of people, but uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, it slowly starts to creep down and we can get back to somewhat of a normal uh, inflation rate where we're not yeah, you know, actually I feel like we're getting hosed at both ends right now. So um, it's a very anyways,
0: challenging time. Very challenging. It is.
1: Is there any other thing that uh, you are, people would be surprised to know about how you run your business? I get, because when you say art studio, they might have a certain preconceived notion, but is there anything else that uh, you do that they probably didn't know? Like, Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you did that.
0: Uh, I think, I think the, the really, the real surprising thing is um, the personal touch and the fact that it is really about so much more than just art. We are promoting civility, honestly Ken, manners. I, I sometimes wonder what has happened to manners. Uh, I think uh, that young people uh, were in the home with their parents working full-time during the pandemic and they were told yes over and over uh, and this is not a great thing for any of us to have yes people no. in our lives and our most important people our families should not always be saying yes to us so there's there's an element of honestly um, a little bit of putting that civility and manners back into the lives of the students that I work with I expect, and I give, you know, mutual respect. And we take pride in our studio space. They all help, you know, set themselves up. When they come in, they understand I'm not serving them. They come in, they, they understand the way the studio works. Obviously the first day I show them where everything is, but at the end, we take five minutes. Everybody does a little something One is going to put all the pencils away. The other is going to wipe off the blackboard wall. Someone else is going to uh, take all the dirty brushes and put them in the sink. This is a way of helping young people, people of all ages, have agency and have a vested interest in the space that they live in and the world that they live in, you know, that we're not just here to use and, you know jump out, Um, but to actually take pride in the work that we're doing together, be methodical, not be in a running race to to the finish line, not expect that each week you're gonna take home a piece of art. Great art takes time and we need to work hard. It's not just come in, do whatever you want. We're gonna follow some steps. Uh, If you need to take a break, you take a break come back fresh, you dig deep, you work hard like kickboxing can. Yeah. You know, it, this is not just let's just come in and do whatever we want. I mean, I need yeah, to offer value. I need to feel good about it, you know? So so it's really there this this life, this studio life is a microcosm of the world that I would like to live in where we have citizens of You know, humanity being their best, thinking about Mm -hmm. each other, not interrupting, listening to the answer to the question they've just asked, you know, all those
1: things. Well, yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately today we have in like an on-demand society where we expect answers quick and fast and right away. Um, of course, it'd be nice to have those answers done right away, but we know it doesn't. It's not going to happen all the time, and th- that whole manage and civility thing. That I know that's why you know I had that expectation for my children that they always say please and thank you. They always tidy up when they need to be tidied up, even though we still have to nag them once in a while. But they know, nice. like for example, our our Friday is cleaning day. So Friday, when they get home from school, I give them five minutes just to relax. I'm doing the floors, my son's doing one of the bathrooms, my daughter's doing her bathroom, they tidy up and stuff thing like that. And uh, my kids are at 10 and eight, right? And I know that sometimes they question the beginning while well, why we're doing this every Friday, you know, because some I guess they haven't gotten to the point where Fridays like the relaxing day or the weekend starts day. But I said, Look, what I'm trying to teach you is that I bet you that 95 or maybe 99% of your friends do not do this.
0: Oh right? I and, I think you know what? I think that's absolutely beautiful you're doing that. And you're yeah. you're teaching them way more than just how to, you know, clean the floor or make their bed. There's a lot more there.
1: Yeah. And you know what? They do their own laundry. And some of them I know I definitely know that a lot of their friends don't know how to do the laundry, right? So when I tell people this is what my my expectation of for my kids is that uh, you know, they were very impressed that, you know, and I sometimes I don't have to really remind them that much. They know it's cleaning day. And I know my son's immediately going to go straight to the bathroom. And he love for some reason, he loves to clean the toilet. I just say, whatever you do, just, just please keep your mouth closed while you're doing it. Right. Especially when you're splashing around in there yeah. right now. Is it. Is it housekeeper quality kind of cleaning? No, but it's one of those skills that they need to learn. Cause I know, I guess my wife, Mrs. K and I know the difference, how our strengths and weaknesses, she is really good when it comes to them doing their schoolwork. She's top notch. So I know I have to bring a different set of skills, teachings to them. And that's other things. I always said that I know the one that sound very morbid that God forbid, something happens to me that if I did not teach my kids how to do certain things, You know, I want them to be okay. Right. So aside from that there. So back to you here, which is great here. We're talking about, we're going to this nice, nice philosophical discussions here, Nancy. I did not plan on this of, of going to this deep, but that's okay. Right. So let's talk about the actual, the art industry that you're seeing right now. So where do you see like yourself and other studios, I'm sure you've known other different types of studios and different ways of art right now. Where do you see it going? And like, what's your opinion of it?
0: That's a really excellent question. So obviously we've come out of a very uh, challenging time. Um, And we're also living in a time of rapid change. Uh, Rapid, rapid change. Um, Technology alone, You know, it's just, it's a, it's a very different world than it was 20, 30 years ago, five years ago. And there's an interesting thing happening. I I think people have discovered during the pandemic that simple pleasures are the most important um, aspects of a, of, of a good life. Um, so it's family, it's friends, it's community, it's, uh, having a meal together. It's a great conversation. It's learning new things. It's doing things with your own hands to be hands-on in your own life is incredibly satisfying. So I think in spite of the fact that there's so much change and the world is very complicated, and technology means that we can kind of do anything, anytime, anywhere. We want to get back to, as you say, you love to bake, you love to cook, Uh, hiking. You don't need anything other than a pair of shoes really and and a bit of time, Um, you know. And a
1: GPS in case you really wanna really get out there.
0: (laughs) You are speaking my language. I'm always lost, absolutely. (laughs) Definitely with the GPS. But people want to do things with their hands. There is a return to simple joys and pleasures. Uh, So I feel from my perspective uh, in my business, I'm experiencing great growth. I think people, there's a yearning to, uh, to tap into something. Say you're 40 years old and you haven't painted since you were 10. There's a return to that. Do you know that there was a fabulous um, study done that if you want to be happy as an adult, that you should take all the things you love to do when you were 10 years old, kind of at your purest, you're sort of autonomous, but you're not quite jaded yet. <laughs> and you and, and, you know you, you don't have the, the heavy school load or the heavy workload of, of your job. Tap into those things you love to do If you've forgotten what it was when you were 10, call up your best friend at 10, call up your mom, say, mom, who was I at 10? If you can include some of those things that you love to do at 10 in your adult life, you're going to be, you're going to be a happy person. It may not be in your work, although I'm going to guess, Ken, that you loved to talk to people you love to ask questions you had a curious (laughs) mind i'm going to guess this is part of who you were at 10 on some level whether it was you were the one always asking the questions or sitting down with people one-on-one whatever it might be this is probably a manifestation of what you love to do at 10
1: so i don't know if the listeners and viewers can see this but she has a crystal ball In front of her right now. So she's able to predict what I was at 10 because she's absolutely right. Right. Because and this is not something that I queued up and expected her to say. But this just so happens to be. That's who I was. I was a very nice guy. Very enjoyed talking to people like, you know, there are moments where, you know, you're shy, you don't want to say anything like, don't get me wrong. When I was a kid, I did not want to be called on you know, when the teachers are trying to pick out who's going to read a certain section, or who's going to answer a question, I would always try to hide behind someone who's bigger than me just to just to see if they see don't see me. But uh, I think once it was that one-to-one experience where I would talk to people, I did enjoy that. I'd actually said, you know Nancy, what I wanted to be when I was younger? I wanted to be a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, because I had this ability back then when I was like, I used to love watching the show Frasier. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but I enjoyed the show and I was like, wow, they get paid a lot of money to be a psychiatrist. So I said, I'll think I'll, maybe I'll be a psychiatrist. And then my mom was like, you want to be a psychiatrist? I said, yeah, you don't have to go to medical school for that, right? So I'm like, you do? Because it just looked like, oh, you're just talking to people, trying to help them out. I said, yeah, you got to do like 10 years of medical school. I'm like, maybe a psychologist then. Where I do how about, how, how's a psychologist? How, what do you to do for that? Four-year degree maybe that would be a direction I would have went into. Now, I didn't go into any of those things, but it is interesting to see how how that kind of, it comes back in a way thing. And I'll say this really quickly before, is that this podcast was never planned. I did not plan on doing podcasts. It all started back in January, 2022. And it just so happened because when I was hearing all these stories of small businesses closing down, I'm like, that's that's not good, right? Because they were following all the rules. They said, do this, that, and the other, and they were still getting shut down. So I thought, well, we want, I want to hear from people who are kind of going through this and hear their story, but I didn't want to have like a top-down approach. I didn't need to, you know, look at me wrong. If, if Justin Trudeau wants to come on the show, of course I'll have him. But if for the most part, I wanted to hear from people from the ground up and see how they can do it. And those who are succeeding like yourself, you know, how are they doing it and how can they inspire other people? So yeah, that, that's great to hear. So, all right. Now, now, I always ask this question to a lot of my guests though so so nancy what has been your biggest failure but also your biggest success running your studio
0: okay i was going to say in life or, or work and life <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> i i think uh well first of all i'm a firm believer as painful as mistakes are they are fodder for growth i mean mistakes are beautiful and actually The studio itself is a place for mistakes. We learn from them. We uh, turn them into uh, benefits. You know, we turn them into positive aspects of our canvases and of our artwork. But I would say one mistake I made was I didn't, early on, I didn't take good care to build my database. Um, That was a mistake. So if you go back 20 years, I was a young mom with young kids. I was around my customer all the time. So I didn't have to work very hard to have a full studio. I just basically ran around saying yes to all the opportunities. I'd ask, can I, can I bring a program to my children's school? If somebody said to me, would you do an art party? I would say yes if somebody said to me, would you run a summer camp? I said, yes. I was kind of crazy, but I did it for 16 years. But anyway, I I did a good job of saying yes and, and responding to demand and to, to things that I could do and give to people that they wanted, but I didn't take care of my customer base. I was so used to and so spoiled by word of mouth, or sometimes I called it word of mom, just women talking about what I did. I call it good gossip that I never took time to build up a database. And so as I started to age and my children started to age, I wasn't hanging out in the playground anymore. I wasn't in that milieu and I lost, uh, you know, there was a built-in obsolescence, really. The children were growing up. And all three kids of a family had worked with me. So that was, that was an error. However, I was able to take that hard lesson and turn it around and build my database back up. And um, so I, it, it, fortunately, I was able to revive things. Things were at a low point, I would say 2013, uh, but I was able to get back on my feet again, fortunately.
1: And sorry, sorry to cut you off there. So when you mean build up your database, you mean like your like your customer list, your customer contact information. So you can continuously, you know, not continuously all the time, but just touch out, like you know, reach out to them every so often just to see if there's that repeat type of uh, business that you're talking about, right? So okay, good. Just want to make sure the listeners knew I'm building a database. I'm like through Excel or do I use some type of fancy software? But uh, no, you're talking literally about keeping your client contacts information, right? So whether it's an email message of any kind, which is good to know. Okay. So, and and you said that you, your biggest success was being able to recover from that 2013 a bit slump. Is that was that what I understand?
0: I think it's going to be hard for me to come up with the biggest. I think the pivot during the pandemic was a huge win. I'm, I'm really proud of that one. And I'm really grateful to my existing clients who jumped on board and thought of me during that time and utilized my me as a resource to keep their children engaged and keep their children's mental health, you know, strong or at least help, you know, because a lot of a lot of people suffered uh, during that time, and the ability to create is a salve to our souls and really helps us. So I would say I would say the pivot during during uh, the pandemic, I would say uh, twenty thirteen. Um, really digging deep and making sure the customer experience was as positive as it could possibly be. And then, you know, having those people share what I did, like really starting all over again in some ways.
1: Oh, wow. Pretty cool. Thank you for listening to the SME stories podcast, which is owned by Northway capital group. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Northway
0: capital group.